Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen and... I'm getting sick of saying this. Well, not really, but uh, we're back after another win. One more on the board, away from home against MK Dons. Sunderland 2-1. Doesn't get much better than that, to be fair, and we're going to talk about it today. I'm joined by our man in Milton Keynes, Brett. How are we doing? Yeah, morning, Gav. Yeah, I can't get um, tired of hearing you say, after another win. If you say that 46 times this season, <laughs> I'll be delighted. Yeah, it, it, is, it isn't actually getting boring, but it might be fans of other clubs, if they're tuning in, they might be sick of Sunderland winning. <laughs> I think most people like to revel in our misery, don't they? Oh, very much. And also here is Martin. How are you doing, mate? I'm champion. Aye, my heart rate's just about back to normal after that last quarter of an hour of, of the game on Saturday, but I think it's our best start to a season, three wins out of three since 1925-26 season. I can remember it well. Aye, well, you know, we remember it well. <laughs> I think we got we got four wins out of four that season, so we've got a little way to right. to go. But those scores, right, were three one, six two, five two, and six two. So in terms right. of entertainment, I think the old timers had a little bit on this team, but <laughs> cracking three points, eh? Yeah, well that's it. Yeah, we're we're up the third after two games. I don't really take much much notice of the table to be fair at this stage of the season, but it is nice to see us up the top end. Joint top, actually, if, you, if you're actually bothered. But a pleasing start, Brett, isn't it? You know, we can't ask for much more than three wins in all competitions. They've hit the ground running and, I mean, you were there. You were there. What was it like? It was great, you know, and for me personally, it's always a very strange game playing the MK Dons. You know, I I actually parked outside my work and then I, you know, I, I run around the Don Stadium a couple of times a week. Having <laughs> thousands of Sunderland fans turn up to my home is such a bizarre <laughs> thing. But it was great, you know, the, the fans were in great voice. I think where obviously a lot of the the Northern fans enjoyed it so much last week being the first game back into a stadium, there were so many of the Southern supporters that this was our first game. Yeah, and yeah. I'd say we, we were just from the off, the fans, you could tell we were really up for it. And say the players, I think did, you know, Lee Johnson said it himself, you know, the players do respond to that. And it was great. I'd say... Well, we're going to game in more depth, but you know they actually ground out that result, and I think the fans can take a lot of credit from that. Yeah, that's one thing that Lee Johnson touched on after the game, didn't he? Martin was just the impact the fans have had in the first three games. It's sort of carried us over the line because when you look at it, I know we're all over the moon with the results, but all three games were a little bit nervy and a little bit sort of tense towards the end, and having a good vocal backing can make a huge difference to the players, and they didn't have it last year. They didn't, and it's obviously um, Lee Johnson's first real experience of Sunderland fans, isn't it? 
and he's um, yeah. you know he's yeah. had obviously the Port Vale game is a little different, but he's certainly had two big games where it has been sort of backs to the wall for the last sort of ten fifteen minutes, hasn't it? And the, the crowds really got behind the, the team and has has you know powered the team home. And long may that continue. Yeah, so we'll go on to the game then. Um, the first goal, to be fair, I know, I know it was a bit of a bit of a scruffy one, but. I love those types of goals because Ross Stewart's got to be in that position uh, to tap at home and poke at home, hasn't he, Brett? And I, th- like, I think people were a little bit worried that he wasn't going to be able to score the type of goals that Charlie White did for us last season. I don't want to talk too much about Charlie White, but he was scoring those types of goals last season in the in the six-yard box, just sort of tapping them in. Um, and it was a cracking ball from Aidan McGeady. I mean, it's been good to watch Ross Stewart's progression, hasn't it? It's been great. And as you yeah. say, that. The danger is with um, with Ross Stewart at the moment is we are going to keep linking him back to Charlie White. And I think so far he's proven that he's more than capable of that mantle. I think we just want to, you know, put Charlie White to bed and just, you know, let's all just say, just keep backing Ross Stewart because he's a very, very good player. Yeah. And you, and you say it was a, 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 you know, a scruffy goal. The build up to it, though, was actually really good. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Daniel getting it out wide and then the McGeady ball in. I say it, it was one of those strange goals. We weren't quite sure if it was going to count or something. Well, did something happen in the box to, you know, it was going to get disallowed? But yeah, you say he's got to be in the right place at the right time. And Ross Stewart, I think, is going to prove a really, really big player for us this season. Yeah, I want to go in a little bit more depth with Ross Stewart a bit later. But yeah, the second goal, you've just mentioned Dan Neil Lay. I mean, the pass to Embleton, that, that's just pure class, isn't it, Martin? Like, I know the first, the first one is is deflected back to him, but it's that quick thing in the sharpness of the pass just to put it on a plate to Embleton and then the finish was outstanding. It was a class goal all around, wasn't it? I think Daniel yeah. has shown in the game so far this season, whether he's been at left back or in midfield, his eye for a pass is is beautiful. And it's kind of on yeah. a it's on a different level to a lot of the midfielders that we've had over the past few seasons, isn't it? He's he's smart with yeah, it yeah. and he's progressive with it and he's intelligent with it. And that was just a beautifully weighted ball through Wimbledon. And mm. like the finish from Embleton was was superb as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Sat the keeper down, I love those ones. No, if he thought he was offside and he just you know, cockily put it away or he you know, he left the goalkeeper on his arse and it was a, such a good finish. And that's his that's his first goal for the club. You know, it's not as if he's a, he's been a regular scorer for us. That's his yeah. first one that he's he's got. And obviously he's scored um for Blackpool and for Grimsby in, in loan spells, but he put that away so well. And you know the the two of them combine and just show the um you know it's that exuberance of youth it's the quality that we've got that hasn't been you know given a pathway at the first team over over previous seasons and it's just mm. brilliant to see those two and, and others actually getting a chance but coming up with the goods as well yeah and then it was Dan Neal again for the penalty decision um played a lovely left-footed through ball in behind the Milton Keynes defense which to be fair Ross Stewart's movement made made it you know completed the move but yeah, another great pass from Tan Neil. Stewart's movement up top, causing panic at the back. He's clipped, he's brought down. The the MK Dons defenders didn't seem too happy, Brett, did they, that it was given, but I think it was a penalty. Well, no, I thought it was an absolute bang on penalty because I, yeah. I was literally right in front of it because we, we actually had to move um, seats during the second half because my, my, I had my eight-year-old daughter with me and she was dying in the sun. So we moved to that shady bit and it literally was bang in front of us and I thought it was a penalty all day long. You know, I know on the um, quest last night, they said that he tripped over his own feet. I don't think nah, he did. I, I think... heard that. Yeah, I heard that. Now, so, I, so I rolled it back and I was like, 
He didn't? What? Like, yeah, what? He, he, he did. He, he, it's a bit like the, the um, penalty last week against Wigan. He, he gets himself in between the ball and the defender. He is, you know, he is all leggy. He, he clips him, he's going to go down. So, yeah, yeah. De- definite penalty for me, that. I, th- I think that was, I think it was a bit fortunate, me, like, a bit yeah. fortunate, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's one of those, nah. like, if, if that had been given against us, we'd have been furious about it. Like. I don't, see, I don't agree. I don't agree. Lee Johnson talked about it after the game and he said, He'd already had a word with Stuart about using his body better and trying to get into those positions, and so I think I think obviously the the striker has to make a meal of it. To, you know, Ross Stewart's got to go down. He's got to make it look convincing. But if there's contact, there's contact. That's the way football is these days, isn't it? It's not like the 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 eighties or the nineties where you've got to practically break it's somebody's a leg. Sport, man. <laughs> yeah, you've got to practically break somebody's leg to to give away a penalty or a free kick. I think all you've got to do is make a bit of contact and. I don't think the defender's got a case for it, really. But I, I guess I'm a little bit more um, current day in my thinking when it comes to penalties. I know, <laughs> I know, I know what you're saying. You know, it's not, it's not like a reducer from Kevin Ball putting someone on the arse. It's very slight, but there was contact there. Yeah, still think it was harsh. <laughs> but you'll take it, won't you? You'll take it all day long. No, oh, all day. Yeah, I'm not going to whinge. I mean, we've had some, we've had some penalties already, haven't we? So uh, their goal, though, let's talk about that because, well. It was awful from Lee Burge. I mean, he takes about 10 seconds to think about what he's doing. So it's not as if it was like a rash snap decision. He's got the ball in his hands. He's looking. He's trying to work out where to, where to play it. He rolls it at about 100 mile an hour. No any Dan Neal, who then has to chase the ball down, loses possession. And then to be fair to MK Dons, they did very well. Like, it was a good pass, good turn from Troy Parrott, and then he, he scores a good goal. But... It's that thing again, isn't it, with Lee Burge, where like, I know he had a good game overall, like made some important saves, particularly later in the game, but he's got that mistake in him, hasn't he, Brett? And it's like, people are starting to worry now about the goalkeeping situation and thinking, like, he's, he's going to probably cost us points this season if, if we persist with him. It's a really difficult one with Lee Burge, because as you said there, because throughout that game, I thought he had a really, really good game, you know, he was... You know, he caught a lot of crosses, made a lot of decent saves. A lot of them were straight at him, to be fair, but he dealt with everything. And it's the same old thing with a goalkeeper, isn't it? You make that one mistake, and that is what you're going to get beaten with. And it, it was a, it was a terrible throw. Um, basically, Troy Proud with an absolutely great finish. Um, he had no chance on the actual shot himself. My concerns are, though, with, if we, like you say, with Lee Burgess, they are they have got those rickets. But it's, I think you've you've said it before on the pod, he's a League One goalie. League One goalies yeah. make mistakes. Now, unless we can get a championship or a, you know a young Premier League goalie that to replace him with, there's not that many people out there now. You know Patterson's yeah. gonna have mistakes in him as well. My worry is that we keep just like we, we always seem to have a player we have to blame for everything. Yeah, yeah there's always yeah. you know like we won two one yesterday, but you know now we're gonna spend quite a lot of time and I'm doing it right now talking about one mistake in that that whole game. You know, bring Patterson in. Patterson's gonna make mistakes. Do we keep then trying to get Patterson out? For me, here and now, I'd, I would stick with Burgeon goal. Um, I wouldn't drop him for that one moment because I do think he had, a, he had a decent game yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not... Well, Ma- it's Malk, like... Malk's son on the, on the reaction part actually gave him man of the match. So it just yeah. shows the variety of opinion on him because, you know, when, <laughs> when we threw this out on Twitter, uh, asking people for topics to talk about, etc., quite a lot of the replies were about the goalkeeper. Um, but then, then on the other side, like you say, you've got people who think he played quite well other than that one error. It's a strange one. Isn't it, Martin? Like, like, like Brett's just said. I've I've talked about this on the pod before. He's a League One keeper, so I think you're just gonna expect the odd mistake with him. But I wonder if now Lee Johnson's looking at it and thinking, 
could we could we maybe go out and get somebody a bit more experienced at a higher level? Even even if it's just to add decent competition in that area, because I mean we have only two senior keepers, so there is a case to be made that we could sign somebody. But it's a, obviously it's about who who's available, isn't it? I and Remy Matthews went to Palace, didn't he? That's a that's a bummer. Um, <laughs> but like, but like with with Burge, I think Burge falls into that category of players who like, I'd liken him to Tom Flanagan in that he'll do a decent job. In League One, he's going to make some mistakes, but he's never going to step up with us. Mm-hmm. He's never going to be a championship keeper. He's never going to be a Premier League keeper. And obviously, that's got to be the aspiration. When when we're building this squad now, we've got to yeah. look at players who who are going to either be absolutely stand out in League One, or are going to be able to progress with the, the club and grow with the club as, as you know as hopefully yeah. we, we go yeah. up. And you know, I think you know I've said we talked about with with Nick Barnes on the pod last week. Like I, I would be looking at another goalkeeper for for Burge to replace Burge. Um, if if there's somebody available, because he that is a one position um, or one of the positions in the in the squad where you can go. You know what? We probably could do better in in that position, and we are going to cost ourselves some points if Burge plays a full season. Now, I you know completely agree with with Brett in terms. You know, you put Patterson in, he's going to make a few mistakes as well. But the the, the difference is we don't know what Patterson's potential is. Mm-hmm. We've all got a fairly good grasp on where Burge's level and ceiling is yeah. as, a, as a football player. So you, you've got to kind of look at that and balance those things out. And to me, I, I would, you know, you, you've seen some great goalkeepers come on loan into League One. You know, most of them came on emergency loans to play against us last season. But <laughs> there are some good keepers out there who you know, could do a, a better job. But I think what was interesting yesterday is like that goal that we gave away, it came from Burgess' throw and it was, it was a crap throw. But... This season, we've seen Burge throw the ball out so much compared to what we've seen him do in the past two seasons. It's obviously a tactic that we've, yeah, we've tried yeah. to employ. And you know, similarly to those teams that play out from the back, like MK Dons did yesterday, if we're going to do that with a keeper, you kind of got to go. You got to accept that one time out of ten or one time out of twenty, it's going to land us in a little bit of trouble because we're trying yeah. to be progressive with it. So you know, if I, I wouldn't necessarily blame Burge for the tactic that's being employed, and I think you know. He came out and caught a great cross in the last couple of minutes of injury time that took a load of pressure off us and pretty much sealed the game out. So I think there was a lot of pluses from his performance yesterday. But then he had he had that one in the first half where he came rushing out and he was in no man's land oh, and the lad put it past the post. It, didn't he? He? Yeah, I was going to talk about. I was going to mention that had my heart in my mouth a bit. To be fair, like well, I, it's just a mixed bag from him, isn't it? I think that, that yeah. we're going to get that in most games from him. Yeah. You you know that 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 particular moment you've just touched on there, the one where he come flying out, he could have quite easily clattered their striker and brought him down for a penalty, couldn't he, Brett? Like easily, yeah. yeah. It's just a, I'm 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 actually struggling to see where I'm at with Burge. I think I don't think I'd complain if we signed somebody. That's pretty much it. Like if we if we bring somebody in, I think I, I think I've got enough faith in the in the recruitment team to know that they would bring somebody good in. Or at least better than Burge. I think. I think that's they're not going to sign somebody like a Remy Matthews that we just mentioned before. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. So if they do sign someone, I think they're going to be a better goalkeeper than what we've got. So yeah. you know. Oh yeah, I agree in, with that. In that sense, I, I it makes sense, that. doesn't it? Yeah. No. You say that the the only the fear was if you get just like for like again, if we can get better, then definitely bring someone else in because he he is that that goalie position is a weak point in our team. You know, if we can get better, and as you say, the recruitment seems to be bang on at the moment. So, yeah, if they bring anyone in, I'd be more than happy with that. We haven't really touched on Patterson as well, though. People, I don't know whether they've soured on him, but I think they've, 
there's definitely been a, a little bit of a change in opinion on him. I don't know if people are quite so sure he's ready yet. Well, pa- Patterson a, needs yeah. games, doesn't he? Patterson yeah. needs games, whether it's here or elsewhere. He needs he needs to play 30 games a season. That's something that Cameron Johns has asked us, actually. He's asked us whether we should probably send Patterson out on loan to get guaranteed first-team football somewhere. It, it is an option, isn't it? Well, it is, and I think, again, like we, we've got to get him playing this season. And whether it's in our first team or somebody else's, he's, he's got to have a, a season where he's playing you know, 25, 30, 35 games. He'd only get that if we put him in the first team yeah. or we send him out on loan to a League Two club. But we can only do that if we bring somebody else in. So it's a little bit of a funny situation. It's probably probably one of those that's relying on something else to happen. It's a little bit of a domino effect that his footballing future for this season will be determined by what happens elsewhere in the transfer market. Yeah. Oh, we'll touch on some other aspects of the game then. Um, Dennis Serkin's debut, Brett, how do you think he did? Tom Pugh on Twitter asked if Serkin is as good as Doyle or Sanderson, should we look into loaning more of the top six academy prospects? I think we'd all agree that it would be nice to have a few more a few more top youngsters at the club, certainly. But yeah, Serkin's debut then, what do you think of it? I was really impressed with him. He um, he played really, really well. There was a few like balls went a bit overhit sort of thing, um, but... I think again, just give the lad break. He's literally been like here two minutes. Um, he looked very assured at the back. Some good tackles. He was linking up well with McGeady. We've got a really good player there. And yeah. on that first show, you know, the, the Spurs fans were like gutted that he left. You know, if we can bring in more players like that, then to say that when you talk about the, you know, the recruitment team, that is a bang on signing. He's going to be really, really good for us. Yeah, and it, it seems like Johnson's taking it slow with him. I mean, he, he brought him off after about sixty-five minutes. And then in his post-match, just mentioned, you know, he's had COVID, so we're being very careful with him. But, yeah, he did very well, Martin, didn't he? He did. I think if if 9 had been fit, I doubt he would have started the game. I think he, he was kind of forced into uh, making his debut probably a little bit earlier than we would have yeah. liked him to. Um, but I thought he looked really assured, and he looks, you know, he looks a good football player. He looks solid defensively. He put in a few nice balls down the wing to McGeady, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how McGeady performs you know, he had he had such a season last season with Callum McFadden behind him. So, who knows what he'll do with a a good <sighs> fullback behind him? Um, but obviously, yeah. the difference, you know, with the, with the the question from from Twitter there, Gav. Obviously, the big difference with Serkin is he's our player, um, yeah. and the other lads mentioned uh, have obviously been on loan. So, I think it's nice to bring some top talent in on loan. But it's even better if we can get some players signed permanently who can again develop with us and grow with us, and who have the potential to to step back up to the Premier League you know, with a, a couple of seasons football under the belt. Yeah, I mean, I made this point through the week, but you know, a player like Serkin, for instance, he's come from a top club training against like, well, who, who plays right wing for Tottenham? And up front, you've got like Hungman Song, you probably trained and played with Gareth Bale last season. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that on a training pitch, but in reality, he's never played a senior game till yesterday. So that was a big moment in his career for him to, to start a game in a in a in a competitive match against blokes, you know. Um I, I think I think his ceiling is just, you know, he, obviously his his pedigree as a youngster is they obviously clearly felt that he's gonna go on and play Premier League football one day. And I think that brings the standards up at the club, like on the training pitch with our other young players, you know. He's got aspirations to play Premier League football, to play for England, and I think you know, when you're bringing in a player like that, as opposed to a McFadden who's just came out of non-league and played for Berry and played for Plymouth, I think standards-wise, that's very important at the club. The club 
need players like that involved because eventually we would like to be back in the Premier League. We don't, you know, we don't want to languish in League One. And well, that's it. yeah, and, and, and someone made a very good point was in that like young players when they're like 18, 19 year old, their their only aspiration in 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 the career at that point is to get to the top, play for England, play in the Premier League, mm-hmm. you know, make it essentially. Once their mid twenties roll around and they get married and they get kids and you know, there's all these other priorities aside from being on the training pitch every day, you know, doing the extra work away from the squad and and staying late and and all these other things that improve footballers and make them better players and and, and enhance their careers. All these things sort of go go to the side when you've got other priorities as an adult. So having a younger team, in theory, should improve Sunderland. Like I, I don't think anyone will disagree with that. I think we've seen for three years now that signing squad players and League One players, it, it doesn't work for us. It might work for other teams. You know, other teams might get promoted by signing your Scowans and your O'Briens and McFadsons and all the rest of it. They might that might work for them, but for Sunderland. I think it's painfully clear that we need young players in the squad, and I, I would attribute that to the to the results we've seen so far. I think they've done well. We should have been doing that three three four years ago. The minute we went yeah. down into League One, that is, and we all said at the time, you know, that that was the time to get rid of all the dead wood, get rid of all the crap, and all we ever did was bring in more dead wood to get rid of again. You know, we should have, <laughs> yeah. we should have been we should have been bringing in our own kids from the start, um, and they say loaning. You know, it's almost at the moment like they're playing sort of. FIFA at the moment, bringing all these young kids to develop because it's working for us. And that's, you know, this is going to really do well for us, you know, not just short term, but long term. And then, you know, we're finally going to be, you know, if we carry on like this, be sustainable, bringing young players through. Again, more players like um, Sirkin, he will attract other young players who can't quite make it in the Premier League clubs, who don't want to sit on the bench. You know, mm-hmm. they've got two or three internationals in front of them. Yet I can go to Sunderland, I can get first team football at a young age. And I can be then develop my career. So yeah, what you're saying it Cameron, becomes your selling point, doesn't it, Brett? It becomes Absolutely. your your brand Absolutely. essentially. Like you, if you're a young player, you can come to Sunderland. A bit like a bit like we've seen at other clubs where I don't know, as an example, Peterborough maybe is probably a, a League One example. A club where players go to and they know like they've got a really good track record of making players into Premier League players and getting them big yeah. moves and and decent yeah. money. I'm, obviously, I would like us to be a lot more than a Peterborough, but it's certainly a selling point, isn't it? Massively. It's a massive yeah. selling point for a young player. On on the subject of young players, and we'll move quickly on to the, the Frederick Alvarez, Alvarez? Alves signing on Friday evening, uh, as reported exclusively by Rotor Report. 21-year-old Denmark under-21 national defender, Martin. £1 million West Ham paid for him in January from Silkborg in Denmark. You know, sounds like a decent enough player, doesn't he? I say it sounds like we need to see him in action, but... Uh, the West Ham fans certainly seemed a bit disappointed that they'd let him leave in a similar way to the Cirkin deal. He's played a fair bit in pre-season for their first team and then they haven't really signed many players and they're letting somebody out on loan who probably would have played a little bit, which I think bodes well for us if they if he's deemed worthy of Premier League football or playing for West Ham in the Cups. I think that, that, that bodes well for us, doesn't it? It does. The only thing that concerns me is the fact that David Moyes signed him. Which has um, <laughs> for a huge question mark over his ability. I don't think there's any way David Moyes knew who Frederick <laughs> Alves was when they signed him. That was probably no. done over his head. I think um, from all all reports and obviously things that we've been able to read about him and videos that we've been able to watch on YouTube and stuff like that, he, he looks a 
a good player. He's got a good good reputation, hasn't he? He's got a decent amount of football already behind him. And you know, he sounds like a the type of player that we need in defence. He's a, a ball playing defender, as he calls himself, so we'll see how true that is. He he seems to be quite pacey, and that'll just add to it, you know. Whether yeah. he's been brought in to play as a first choice centre half, you, you kind of think he he obviously has been brought in with the intention of being a, a regular selection, wouldn't you? Because he he wouldn't drop down yeah. to the to League One to not to not play regularly. Yeah, but, you know, I think he's... that's probably forms part of the the conversation, doesn't it? When you're speaking to these clubs, like if well, we're going to loan you him, we want him yeah. to play. There'll be some sort of guarantees over playing, I would think. And I think the signing of Alves and Doyle probably indicate. We're going a different route with our central defenders. Like, I think eventually it'll be a case of, you know, Alves and Doyle as a very young parent together playing, I would imagine. Yeah, and, and it's right. And we sort of touched upon it earlier with um, Burgeon and, and how he's throwing the ball out, isn't he? So we are definitely sort of playing from the back. Um, yeah. And we do want sort of ball playing defenders. You know, it is interesting we're going to have, you know, if we've got Sirkin, um, Doyle, and then Alves, who's like average age of about 12. Um, at the back, it's uh, it's going to be really, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be saying we haven't got these sort of League One plodders, but it's going to be interesting how they come up against proper, you know, hard metal, strong League One attackers. That's going to be an interesting thing to see how they get on. You say that they can play the ball out, can they defend though? So it'll be interesting to see how they get on on that aspect. Yeah, um, but but it's good. I think say it's just refreshing. Um, I think we just need. A right back, um, you know, to come in as well, and then that's a, you know, it's a new back four for us this season. Yeah, Tommy uh, at McGeady Spin on Twitter asked us, "Do you worry that the age of our defensive signings may lack some experience? If we played Alves, Doyle, and Circum, they'd have an average age of nineteen. I- I'm not worried, but what what do you? I mean, Doyle, oh, well, Doyle's say, probably yeah. a laid them fears for me. Like I think, I think because I've seen a seventeen year old play with such confidence, and you know, and then I've watched Tom Flanagan for four years, who's like <laughs> ten years older than him. You know, it doesn't doesn't worry me in particular. But what what about you, Martin? What do you think? Well, I think you, you know, for any young player who we're, we're going to bring in like that, they are going to make some mistakes. That's why they're here to get yeah. experience, to make some mistakes, to learn learn the trade a bit more. It's whether those the the benefit that you get from them playing significantly outweighs the mistakes that they make. Now, in League yeah. One, we know the defenders that we've got already will make mistakes, and we know that there's a there's a margin of positivity from them playing. Now, the benefit of the the likes of, you know, Cirque and Doyle and Alves and whoever else we bring in playing is, again, we we don't know how good they, they can be. So the, the benefit that we get from it could be massive compared to the benefit that we're getting from some of the more experienced League One players. So, you yeah. know, we've, we've tried the likes of Jack Baldwin, Tom Flanagan, and we know that doesn't necessarily bring us success. So yeah. let's try something different and embrace it. Yeah, Absolutely. You touched on it before there about the right back, Breton, in his post match. Johnson spoke about how he would have liked to have had a right back on the bench or starting. I think it's the first time I've actually heard him talk about the right back situation and sort of, I don't think he was frustrated, but he he certainly um, made it clear that he, he wants a right back. Is that our, now our next priority, do you think, a, a right back? Because I think Winchester's done a decent job there, but we are like one injury away from sort of disaster in that position, aren't we? Yeah, that's definitely got to be the next position to fill. And so, when, to be fair to Winchester, he's actually done an all right job, but he isn't a right back. And as you say, if he gets injured, we've got no one, you know. So that has to be the one to uh to you know to you know to to fix first. With that um that right back position, I think it's interesting that like Johnson had Winchester at Oldham 
And apparently Winchester was a, a right back at Oldham and John, Johnson converted him to a central midfield player. So Johnson kind of knows Winchester's capability there. And I think he has done all yeah. right. But what you looked at yesterday, obviously we had 9 out through illness. Corey Evans got injured. And now, it, you know, we've spoken, Johnson's spoken about having two players for every position, hasn't he? And the, the four yeah. midfielders are obviously those two, Dan Neal and, and Winchester. You've got Winchester and Neal have been employed as, as fullbacks so far this season. And when Evans went off yesterday, we didn't have a central midfield player on the bench either. So we had to, we actually had to swap four positions yeah. to, to make that sub work. And that's, that's a huge change in a team, especially in a tight game like that, you know, because Pritchard came on for Evans, didn't he? Pritchard went to attacking midfield, Embleton went out wide right, Gooch went back to fullback, and Winchester came into the centre. And yeah. it was it was it's a good, massive change. Yeah. To you know, which, which it should have been a, you know, we should have been in a position where we can just swap like for like. So I can understand why he's probably getting a little bit frustrated because you know, right backs were desperately short of. And the knock on effect from that is the disruption it causes in the central midfield. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I say, I, I, it doesn't worry us too much. And I do I, I keep saying this, but I don't think we're gonna to get to a situation on the last day of the deadline where we haven't we haven't got what we need. We are definitely going to have those players, but I think now that the season's rocking and rolling with three games in, key positions should be filled. Like you should have a left back, you should have a right back, you know, you should have somebody for every position at least. And then your your late business for me should be, uh, you know, depth bringing in players. You know, maybe if we need another full back on the left hand side, we bring someone in there, another goalkeeper. But these are positions that we've already got filled. I guess the other alternative is that you bring up one of the under twenty three players who. Who are waiting for a chance, but then he—I think he saw quite a lot of them in pre-season, and the fact that they're not making the bench probably tells you he, he doesn't quite trust them yet to be able to come on and if we need them in a, in a big game and and not shit their pants basically. So yeah, I mean in the central midfield p- position, we don't really—I don't think there's any under twenty threes. So we're already playing them, aren't we? Dan Neal is the best of that group, and he's—he yeah. hasn't—he hasn't missed a minute like pre-season or since the season started. I don't think. I think Dan Neal's probably played more than anybody else, which I know we've already talked about Dan Neal, Brett, but that shows how well well he's thought of, doesn't it? Like Dan Neal's regard. I was I was probably ex- if if you'd asked us before the game, I was expecting Dan Neal to maybe drop out just for the balance of the team. Obviously, we didn't know that O nine was was injured, uh, sorry, ill. So it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think Johnson clearly likes him. Yeah, he does, um, and it's interesting he's played. He's played probably more minutes than anybody else, but yesterday was probably the first time in his actual preferred position. Yeah. Um, and I say, I think he took his he took his opportunity with both hands. Um, you know, he looks a, he looks a very very good player. Um, and I think Johnson's now got a, it's a nice little headache to have in that sort of midfield three. If you've got sort of um, Corey Evans, Neil Embleton, and then obviously you've got O Nine as well to come into that, and then obviously Winchester if we do get a right back. So there's sort of five players there for those three positions. And he's got a nice little um, you know, headache once all are fit and once all are available to play in the actual centre of the park. Yeah. Right. Let's quickly look ahead to Burton and before we go, Tuesday night, the, the, the games just don't stop coming. To the, they've actually had a decent start to the season, to be fair. I said before season, I think they'll make the playoffs. I just, I, I, I like the way they played that last season when, when Hasselbank went back in there. He's clearly, you know, a good manager done well at Burton before. Uh, they beat everyone's pre-season promotion favourites, mm-hmm. Ipswich 2-1 on Saturday um, with a late penalty. That's a great, great result for them and it shows that you know we need to be on our guard on Tuesday night because it's not been a happy hunting ground, Burton, for us. I, I always sort of, when we, when I say we're playing them, I think, oh, 
just <laughs> it's it's when the mags went down that time and we took the piss out of them for having to play Burton. It just seems every time we play them, they sort of it comes back to haunt us. But yeah, they, they do look dangerous, Brett, don't they? I'm 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 not I'm not sort of writing the game off or anything, but. It's away from home against a decent team. Uh, I mean, we want to keep winning, but would a point be so bad on Tuesday? It, a point wouldn't be the worst result in the world, but I think the way we, we're sort of playing at the moment, and the way, you know, don't forget, we, we've already beaten, you know, two other promotion or top, you know, sort of favourites you know, in this league. You know, Wigan were heavily favourites after who they brought in. The Dons, they're going to be up there, you know, yeah, not, not, yeah. so not top two, but they're going to be play around them sort of playoff positions. They looked a good team yesterday. Um, I don't think there's anyone in this league we should fear, um, you know. And if you said to me now, would you be happy with a draw? Well, no, I don't. I want us to win every game, you know. But yeah. it wouldn't be the worst result in the world. You know, seven points out of the first nine is a decent enough record. But we want to be going to these games and looking to win. Yeah, how important would a win be? Do you think, Martin, at the stage of the season, just keeping that momentum going? I think it's really important when you look at the, the games that we've got coming up after that. Obviously, I think we've got Wimbledon on the Saturday, haven't we? Then I think yeah. we've got Wickham, Sheffield Wednesday, Portsmouth, all all coming up in close succession. There's going to be some big games coming up. So the, you know, yeah. the more points we can put on the board now and go into those games with more momentum and hopefully a couple of other signings, the, the better for us. I think the interesting thing on Tuesday is going to be the injuries that we've got. Obviously, Corey Evans went off, Lee Burge... Needed treatment and we'd, we'd ran out of subs, hadn't we? And yeah, you know, it could be interesting to see who who went and goal if Lee Burgess had to go off <laughs> and we couldn't bring the the sub keeper on. So whether he's going to be fit for for Tuesday is going to be an interesting one. So it's going to be a tough game, but you know if, if we can get three points, it sets a Wimbledon game at home up on on Saturday nicely, and then it sets up this this sort of tougher in the fixtures that we've got. And if we can get through that, you know, with with a couple of draws and a couple of wins. Then that's that's that first stage of the season really nicely handled. Yeah, new new signings bedded in, and it gives us a really good platform to go on from, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I know you said you you obviously want us to win every game, Brett. But how do you see it playing out? What what's your head telling you? Um, I think it'll be it'll be a tough game. It'll be a close game. I can do you know what I can actually see us winning two one again. Um, <laughs> I think you know I think we we do look like we, there's always a we can concede a goal, but up front. The, the the forward four we've got of Embleton, McGeady, Gooch, and Stewart is very good for this league. Yeah, you know, them yeah. them four are gonna are gonna score goals. They're gonna make make opportunities. Um, you know, I do think I can say I think I can see two one. I can see a lot of, as it stands. I can see a lot of two ones this season. Yeah, I'm I'm fancying us to win. Like I say, I, I would take a point definitely. I, I think. Like I say, it's just a it's a difficult game midweek. Another away. To be fair, the crowd have been playing their part in these games already. So it would be, and I think I think we we should sell out Burton or if we haven't already. So if you know the crowd can play their part, the the, the players are clearly confident because we're winning games. Like you've just said, the front four are playing magnificently. So uh, they've all they've all done their bit so far. So I think that actually makes us probably more of a threat to them than they are to us. That they're going to be looking at us and thinking, for you know, their centre forwards just ridiculous at the minute. Get gets himself in all kinds of positions. <laughs> We need to be on our game. Then you've got the quality that we're having, McGeady and and Embleton sort of picking the passes. Dan Neal, even you know, I think they're going to have to be very physical with us and press us and try and harry us if we're. Otherwise, we're going to we're going to have spells in the game where we dominate possession and and we create chances. That is the one big improvement for me, Martin. Like that I've seen even in and I know preseason is hard to judge, but even in preseason. We we look like a lot more creative and better on the ball on the floor like than we have been. 
last season very reliant on one player just to create everything where he's clearly looked at that and thought, how can I how can I improve the overall output of the team? And that's why we're seeing Gooch creating chances, um, Stewart winning us penalties, McGeady still getting in amongst the, the assists, Dan Neal getting assists, Embleton, who's just added a whole new dimension to the to the attack. So it makes you know, we're a very dangerous team, hard to predict team, I think. We are, and it's again it's gonna be interesting to see how we kind of what our normal is going to be as we kind of establish ourselves over the, over the coming yeah. weeks. But there has been a definite and noticeable change in in how we play. We're a lot more progressive with the ball. We're kind of looking forward for a pass rather than looking backwards and taking the easy pass. And you know, there was a couple of occasions yesterday when you know both Dan Neal and um, Elliot Embleton had the ball, and you know they took a couple of touches, turned. And got themselves in a position to play it forward rather than playing an easy ball back, which last yeah. season Scowen would have played an easy ball back, Power would have played an easy easy ball back. So the, you know there's a mentality in the team that's obviously been, you know, you'd, you'd think it's been drilled into them over the summer, and it's kind of the mentality that Lee Johnson spoke about when he came in, isn't it? And it's it's bearing yeah. fruit now, but there, there just seems to be a lot more attacking intent, and I think um, it's helped. Obviously, I know we we've talked a little bit about Ross Stewart, but like his movement. And ability to hold the ball up and come in deep and drop in deep and just take a touch, that gives the midfield time to get up closer to him as yeah. well. And last season, that gap between the midfield and striker was was, was quite huge on, on occasion, wasn't it? And that kind of yeah. split the team up a bit and didn't enable us to get forward. So I think it's kind of, it's it's everything combined and Stewart's you know that glue within that. But then you've got the cuteness of, of Embleton and, and Neil and. And Gooch as well, who looks a, a different player this season. So it's all very promising and it's exciting to, to watch at the minute. When you say about Stewart there, I must admit, obviously yesterday was the first time I've actually seen him live. And his movement, what you don't obviously see on the camera or on your streams last season, he is everywhere. And he say he, he his touch and bringing everyone else into play is really, really good. Um, so he's going to be, so he's a massive plus for us this season. Yeah, we'll end on that positive note then. Thanks for joining us, lads. Uh, we'll be back after Burton with a reaction pod. I'll probably be hosting that one. And then we've got a nice little surprise for everyone ahead of Wimbledon, which we won't reveal. We're just going to drop that on you. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you later. It's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.